Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I want to give everything that I have for as long as I play. And, you know, I'm not saying that I haven't done that in the past, but there's always new ways that I can find to get better and not being complacent with what I'm doing on the field, understanding that there's a lot of plays that we left out there. And, and, you know, statistically, you look at it, we were top three, four offense in the league last year, and it wasn't good enough. So just losing the playoffs isn't fun. I I so badly want to bring Super Bowl here to Buffalo. Bills quarterback Josh Allen earlier this week as we begin OTAs. That was on Tuesday, which was the lone media day for the Buffalo Bills. Some breaking news, though, that happened about 30 seconds ago. The Arizona Cardinals have released wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. And with that, we are going to bring in our guest for today, Matt Perino, Bills beat reporter over at Syracuse.com and the host of the Shout Podcast. Matt, I thought we were going to talk about Bills OTAs today. I mean, we will, but the Hopkins news is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, I bet you they didn't love that whole uh, podcast appearance where he said he wanted to go play with Josh Allen. Um it's kind of surprising to me, though, because I thought that they'd want to get in, like, with the fact that over the last couple of months, the market for Hopkins hasn't materialized the way that they wanted. I figured they'd want to get to a place where they could try to maybe get uh, some type of compensation back, <clears throat> you know, at the trade deadline. But it probably has gotten to the point where it just made more sense to just move on for both parties. And to be honest with you, this is. This is the scenario where I felt like the Bills could be in play with the way that they can maybe structure a new contract, uh, push a little bit of of it down the road. Um, I think there's going to be multiple suitors for him, so I don't know if this is, you know, a a slam dunk by any means, but it definitely is intriguing. And, you know, you just heard Josh Allen leading into this, you know, not being good enough last year. The offense, for the most part, is back. And I, I know there's a lot of excitement around Dalton Kincaid, but, you know, it would be upping the stakes quite a bit to add DeAndre Hopkins to this offense. So given the fact that it's not really a trade situation anymore, do you think that the Bills are favorites? Obviously, it's very fresh, very, you know, two minutes ago. Do you think that the Bills could be considered favorites in landing Hopkins as now a free agent? I mean, they're at the top of the list, I think. Um, He's going to want to go, you know, at 31 years old, he's going to want to go somewhere where he can win right away. And so you look around the league at teams that can, you know, bring him in. Sure, maybe the Baltimore Ravens could figure something out. But I I thought it was interesting that, you know, Lamar Jackson came up two or three down the line when he was talking about quarterbacks that he'd want to play with. If you're going off of just, you know, the last couple of years, 
you know, a wide receiver going to an offense, I've outplayed the Ravens at the bottom of any list um, of those top contender teams. I know they have OBJ now, but it, it's it just seems so tough for their passing game. Then, you know, you got to think about the Chiefs, right? Like, that would be really intriguing, like pairing him with Travis Kelsey and uh, getting to work with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's a dream for any uh, wide receiver. But then, you know, the Bills, it feels like he's got a lot of respect for Stephon Diggs. He's good friends with Von Miller. He said how much he wants to play with Josh Allen. I think it would just come down to, you know, the money part of it. And, you know, Brandon Bean's never going to put his organization, the bill, the salary cap in a bad spot for an all-in kind of move. But this seems like a, a move, like more so for what it could mean just for the offense right now. Like, of course, Diggs and, and Hopkins playing together with Gabe Davis in that, you know, third wide receiver role where he could probably really flourish. That's all well and good and exciting. But I think you really make the move for Hopkins to safeguard against injuries elsewhere. Like, you know, Diggs has been healthy over the course of the last couple of years with the Bills. But that's not always going to be the case. I mean, football, you know, you know injuries happen in this sport. And so if you want to safeguard against some of that stuff, going out and getting a guy like Hopkins makes a lot of sense. I do feel like the Bills probably are the best fit, but it's those money conversations are going to be interesting. I do wonder with, you know, of course the Dalton Kincaid pick, which, you know, we, we can dive right into Kincaid as well, but just it, it did feel like a little bit that the Bills maybe had, I don't want to say resigned themselves, but just kind of Arizona wasn't moving him and they had moved on to go get the best pass catcher in the draft by many accounts. And now with Hopkins available, like like Matt, you brought it up, like this could be maybe, I don't want to say a luxury pick, but like just in case people get hurt and with a lot of fans also bring up the idea of maybe even trading Gabe Davis. Like with Hopkins coming in, like would he slot in right away as being the number two receiver for the Bills, or would would you see it being a little bit more of a, I, I guess kind of by committee with Diggs being the number one guy and then kind of Davis and Hopkins sort of, if Hopkins of course you know winds up signing with the Bills, kind of figuring it out as they go. I think that they'd probably have to figure it out as they go, but I, I'd also imagine that if they get really aggressive here they did their homework with, with Ken Dorsey on what this would look like should the opportunity become uh, a reality if they could add him to the team. And so what's interesting, too, I went back and I watched a lot of Hopkins from last year when all of this stuff was percolating. And, you know, when you watch him and the way that he runs routes and the way that he wins and the area of the field that he operates, it looks a lot like Stefan Diggs, to be honest with you. He runs a lot of those 10- to 13-yard uh, patterns. Uh, he, he gives you some run after the catch. He's really, uh, his ability to separate is still at a super high level. And so I, I don't know, like, what does that look like? I mean, they've asked Gabe Davis to play that. All right, go get deep, uh, get open down the field, open up that underneath area for the last couple of years. And I think it was Isaiah McKenzie that said it on a podcast that, you know, maybe if you let Gabe Davis do a little bit more of the underneath stuff, that could open him up as a receiver. So more miles to feed. I think it gets more complicated for Ken Dorsey. And then if you're Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean making this move, are you confident in Ken Dorsey being able to feed all the miles and then also manage all of the, you know, now diversity that they're going to have in their offense with ways guys get open, with ways guys win? It's already getting more complicated with the 12 personnel that they're going to have to run now with Dawson Knox and, and Dalton Kincaid. Heading 
DeAndre Hopkins is going to be like this potential for like overload, right? Like weapons overload. Like when you, when you trade for a guy in Madden and you're like, okay, like I traded for DeAndre Hopkins, but now Stefan Diggs is not, you know, getting the kind of targets that he gets. That's always been my potential problem with this move all along is like, what does this mean for Diggs if they go get Hopkins and he kind of maybe starts his one B, but maybe starts to flirt with one A and Diggs kind of slots into that one B. Does that cause a problem? You know, there's a there's a lot to think about with this kind of move. Obviously, it's very exciting. Big big news. You know, there's a lot of hypotheticals that we could throw around here, but don't want to dive into the weeds too much yet, just because it's it's very fresh and, and things like that. So why don't we move into your general thoughts on how the OTAs have gone so far? Obviously, you guys were only there on Tuesday, but you know, what are your takeaways so far from very early on here? Well, it's funny because. Um, I'm very intrigued, as we just talked for three minutes about DeAndre Hopkins, I'm really intrigued with what Deontay Hardy could potentially mean in this offense for them with his versatility. Kind of like, I think it has the chance to be a real upgrade on the McKenzie role with a much, and I'm talking about the Brian Dable era McKenzie role. Like, not the one where they asked him to be the the slot guy last year. Like, they're going to probably ask him to do some of that you know, jet sweep stuff. They're going to probably line him up in the slot at times. They're going to line him up outside. And I think he's great depth. He's valuable depth. And he's got big play potential. I mean, if you go look at some of his highlights from 2021, if you're adding that to this offense, and, you know, if they don't add Ed Hopkins and it's just what's on the roster right now, then I think that that has a chance to open up some things for Gabe Davis if they're asking Hardy to win down the field. Um, so he's been, he was somebody that jumped out. And then there's, there's a bit of a problem, Zach, uh, I think, percolating for the Bills. And that is, what are they going to do with their number two cornerback spot? Because they love Christian Benford. Love him. I mean, listen to you know John Butler talk about him uh, earlier on in the week. And I see a real difficult path for Kyir Elam to securing that number one spot because – or that number two spot because – even if you beat out Benford, who is going to give him a run again this summer, you have Dane Jackson, who they, they, they view as the reliable guy. And so what does that mean for Kyle Elam if he somehow gets to September and he's not the written-in-pen CB2? I, I think that's going to be a really intriguing storyline to, to monitor over the course of the summer. Well, I mean, now, like, speaking about that cornerback spot then, I mean, like, what do you make of Kyer Elam, his rookie season? I thought he really came on in the second half of the year. The first half was, I think, for most aspects, very frustrating because him and Benford were really trading spots. Elam, of course, being a first-round pick. Christian Benford, a later-round pick. I'm not saying, you know, is this potentially a bust, but is is it one of those kind of positions where it's like, looking back on it, you know, they end up getting a guy in a position of need in the later rounds, but they also drafted a guy in the early rounds, and, and it kind of does, as we were talking about it you know, just a few months ago with the draft, kind of does throw into question you know, the recent draft history of the Bills. Yeah, it's, you know, I know that there was pressure on Brandon Bean to get a cornerback. Like, he talked about it after he took Elam, right? Like, he was hearing it from his neighbors that, hey, you're going to get a cornerback to play with Tredavious White finally? And then they hit on this six-rounder, they already had a, a trustworthy guy in Dane Jackson. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough spot. And with Elam, you know, I think he, 
I shouldn't be a football coach or evaluator, I guess, because I think what I was higher on what he did as a rookie than maybe the Bills even were. And that's why over the course of the season, it continued to be such a struggle to get him onto the field, even when he was healthy. Um, and and they're, they're known for not rushing guys. And so I'm not surprised with the approach necessarily, but I am surprised that they're not giving him more of an opportunity um, to be that definitive guy. And I just mean an opportunity based on how they're talking about it. They're, they're going into this with a full-blown CB2 competition this summer for training camp. And, you know, maybe that's to push Kyrie Elam. He's a guy that he's super competitive. He is hardworking. Everybody that I've talked to in the organization, you know, talks about that part of his game. But if he doesn't win that job, you, you start to wonder about his confidence level. Like when he does get back on the field, like what's that going to look like for him? You know, he's a strong-minded guy. He's very confident. I don't, I don't necessarily think it'll be a problem. But, man, it's you want – with this draft history that you mentioned, the Cody Fords of the world, you know, um, you know, some other players that they've taken over the years where they've hit on a couple, there's been a couple that have – you know, it hasn't necessarily materialized the same way that you envisioned when they took them. I mean, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa, we're still talking about them finding a role in year three and year four. And so that worries you if you're a Bills fan. Uh, they got to figure out a way to get him onto the field and put him in a place to make plays because I think of the group, he still has, in a league where you got to cover fast receivers, he's the fastest of the bunch uh, in the cornerback room. So it's going to be interesting to watch. So sticking with the defense here with another recent draft pick, Dorian Williams. It was kind of talked about that he might be, you know, learning Tremaine Edmonds' old role here a little bit, but... Brandon B didn't always seem too keen on position changes for him. What uh, What are your thoughts on that so far? How do you think that's going to go? Well, even when Bean said that, I still thought that the path to him playing was at middle linebacker. Like I, I do think that there might they might throw in some two or some three uh, linebacker looks this year. You know, if you go back to early on in Sean McDermott's tenure here when Lorenzo Alexander was here, they were doing a lot more of that than they they've done the last couple of years. Um, so I think that that's definitely a possibility. And I also think that Williams, like the more you dive into him and what his strengths are, like, you know, that pre-snap, post-snap recognition ability, that's one of the areas where, you know, Tremaine Edmonds struggled, you know, all five of his seasons with the Bills. So, yeah, he might not be the same size, but they might look be looking to be a little bit more positionless back there. I mean, it's – you know, you look at the way they played the nickel spot with Taron Johnson the last couple of years, and I think that they can kind of look to do a similar thing with the way um, they have their linebackers. I think Matt Milano's versatile. I think you could do multiple things with him. You could throw Taron Johnson out there. You could throw three linebackers and Taron Johnson out there if you want to play, um, you know, some dime looks and, and maybe even uh, get Taylor Rapp involved. I, I think Sean McDermott, you know, we talked about – um, a couple of years ago, there was a, uh, a, a soundbite out of camp. I think it was McKenzie who talked about um, Brian Dable being this like mad scientist cooking up offensive plays. I think we could be starting to talk about that from with Sean McDermott in the way that he deploys the players on defense. This, this defense has gotten, we've seen the, with the way the, the season has ended the last couple of years. It's gotten really kind of figured out by the elite offenses in the league. So I think Sean McDermott, is determined to change things up and make offensive coordinators have to adjust and react 
to the Bills and, and try to do some different things. Staying with the defense, um, my favorite player on the Bills, just in terms of whenever he talks, is Von Miller, because it seems like he has very lofty expectations for everything, and he kind of did that this Tuesday as well, saying that he thinks, without a doubt, he's going to be back by week six, even with him dealing with a torn ACL. What, what did you make of those comments, especially with Miller kind of making a lot of predictions and not necessarily nailing them as often as I think he'd like? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if he's going to be, because he's got a, a really good uh, relationship with Brandon Bean. He said he talks to him all the time. And I wonder if he goes to him after this Hopkins news breaks and says, man, I've been, I've been making all these predictions. You've got to make me look good one time here. Um, but, yeah, to your point, I always thought week six was a really safe um, bet because w- different than Tredavious White in the position that he plays, he Von Miller – it's not going to be as difficult, I think, for him to get back to playing uh, shape because you just don't have to, you know, you don't have to backpedal. Um, you do have to cut. You do have to, you know, spin and do different things. You're going to put some pressure on the leg. But it's not as uh, sudden and it's not as reactionary. I think as a pass rusher, you can set that up a little bit more and do some things uh, to maybe guard against you know, pain or whatever you're going through as you're kind of getting things back. And he's done it before. He's a veteran. He, he had the ACL in, in 13. But I also think it was interesting that he said the goals have changed and he's not pressing to get back because he wants to be the best version for the, for the stretch run, which I think he has to be available. He has to be as close to the version that was last season as he can get. So if it means taking time and letting Boogie Basham and A.J. Apinesa maybe get instead of 30 and 40% of the snaps, 50 and 60% of the snaps while Von Miller is getting his way back, that might not be a bad thing either. So sticking with another guy that, you know, is kind of on the mend and on his way back, uh, Damar Hamlin. What's the, what's the idea here? Like, obviously he's got a lot to work through and he's got a lot of things to come back from, but what's the feeling around the the whole team of like what his plan is going to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I thought we'd see him doing maybe some stretch work, some running. I mean, just seeing him hit the uh, the sled there uh, in that one video, I think Josh Reed from Channel 4 put it out, um, was super cool, obviously, considering where things were a couple months ago. Um, I do still wonder, like, I mean, it looks like he's trending in this amazing direction and the way the coaches talk about it, but I wonder if we don't get to a, pl- to a point where, you know, they want to put him on some type of, um, you know, the pup list or, you know, some type of long-term IR, like put, put him on the roster and then uh, kind of take it slow. Uh, we'll see, but who knows? Maybe he gets into that training camp setting, puts on the helmet, puts on the pads, you know, gets back going and, and, you know, it's all systems go. I mean, it's hard to predict. They're taking it one day at a time like they should and, and kind of reacting to how DeMar feels. So it's just going to be about, you know, uh, following that. I think bringing back Dean Marlowe is, is great insurance if you do need more time. And, you know, who knows? Even when he gets back, I still think that there's going to be the mental part of it. You know, there, there's probably going to be elements to that that he's got to work through, um, obviously. I, I wouldn't expect anything else. So I think it's just the approach the Bills are taking, I think, is a really smart one. And, and DeMar seems to be approaching it in a really healthy way also. On the Western Hotline, Matt Perino. Matt, before we let you go, what do you guys got cooking up over at the Shout Podcast? And of course, I'm, I'm sure you're always busy over at Syracuse.com. So, what do we got cooking up with? You know, really the, the the peak of summer, really right around the corner. 
Yeah, so we have uh, those on OTAs days, on Tuesdays and then minicamp. Uh, we go live right afterwards with a podcast. Um, th- those are the what are some of our most popular shows. And then uh, on July or June 23rd, it's a Friday night, Shout Live at Wingnuts on um, 700 Military Road. Come out, you can hang out with us, have some great wings, uh, drink some great beers and talk bills. It's a, it's a fun time. It's always a fun time, absolutely. Matt, always a fun time to hear from you. Hope we can talk again and enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for having me, buddy. Take care. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.